Greetings, and thank you for checking out this sermon from Kingdom Life Community Church in Morrison, Illinois. If you'd like more information about our church, go to kingdomlife.global. And now, here is the sermon from our pastor, Steve Harmon. Amen. So, we are foregoing our, uh, our time in Mark just for today um, for this idea of of unity in the body and what that looks like. Now listen, when, when Jesus is talking here about unity in the body, there's one thing that he's not talking about, and I, and I want to bring that to your attention real quick. Um, he is not talking about denominations coming together because there was no such thing. Denominations have done just what they've done is they've divided. And they've, they've put people in certain camps. And what they've said was, well, I believe this and you believe this. And they've attached the word heresy to if you don't believe exactly the way they do. And so uh, I may be a heretic according to a certain denomination, although we both believe the main things about, what, about who Jesus is. They, uh, uh, they may in the past have, listen, I grew up in the Nazarene church, and those Baptist people, we weren't sure you were even saved. Your once saved, always things did not jive with uh, the Wesleyan ideology. And so we focused on the one thing that we knew would divide us and keep us divided, what oh, the enemy did. And, and what happens is, is there's no power in unity to transform a region for Christ. And that's what the enemy does. He divides by using denominations. Now, when I read um, John chapter 17, I got to tell you, I do struggle to believe it. I do. Because it seems to talk about something that is so outside of our grasp because of what we've done so far with this idea of unity. And we've treated unity as this uh, kind of um, idea of we'll just be friends. And we'll just, you know, we'll shake hands. As a matter of if, what it really means is that when I see you out somewhere, I'll say hi. I won't ignore you like I have the last few times. Hey, it's a start, maybe, but in, in all honesty, when, when we're talking about unity, the unity that he's talking about is not the unity that we're talking about today in the American church, mostly. It's, it's changing, though. It is changing, and that's what gives me hopes to think that maybe I will see this in my lifetime, but am I willing to die for it in my heart, in my life? You know what I'm saying? Am I willing Am I willing? to die for what Jesus prayed for and said was possible. All right, so there's three things that are going to happen in this. Jesus is going to pray for himself, Jesus is going to pray for his disciples, and then Jesus is going to pray for us, okay? And so we're just going to break down John 17 just a little bit. We don't even have to spend a whole lot of time in John 17 to, to get the idea, but I, I just want to go through a few things that I think are important because I want to be unified. I, I want to be the body of Christ that's unified. And so what first has to happen is, is this segment of where people gather need to be unified. And I, th I, think we're on a, I think we're on a good track for that, this idea of, of unity within us. And then, and then we want to look at what unity looks like with brothers and sisters down the road. Now, I, I, I'm not saying that everybody, we have to close every other church and all join into one. I, I'm not necessarily saying that. I, I get it. If that's what Jesus wants, I'll jump on that bandwagon. I will. 
But I think what, what we're really looking at here is that even though we may on Sundays worship in different places, we're still worshiping in spirit together the same God. And so that's why I can, I can pray for Methodists, I can pray for Reformed, I can pray for these people, and, and pray that the, the same power that I'm desiring to hit me be the same power that hits them, and breaks down walls that separate us that don't matter to Jesus, and never did. But I gotta allow those walls to be broken down in me, and you gotta allow those walls to be broken down in you. It's not just them. We have met the enemy, and he is us, okay? And so this idea of, of what it takes to be unified uh, plays itself out personally with you, corporately with us, and then large corporately with the larger body out there. And, and, and here's how it's going to play itself out with you. Oh, boy. Spirit of the Lord. Um, Jesus. Here's how it's going to play itself out with you. You've got to get yourself in order. If you remember last week what we preached about in Mark, remember what we preached about? We talked about Jesus going uh, into the other land, right? And, and the guy full of legion comes out, blah, 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 right? We talked, about, we talked about removing what Jesus did when he removed defilement, not just from a man, but from an entire region. Because an entire region was held bondage by a legion of demons that were in one man. Remember he was in the tombs, he was shouting day and night, he was intimidating people, he broke bonds and shackles and all these different kinds of things. And, and all of these people were intimidated by the demons that were in one man. No man could hold him, they couldn't shackle him, nothing could happen right That So this guy was not only torn being tormented, but he's being used by the demons to hold in bondage an entire region. Now listen, if the enemy is holding a region in bondage and Jesus steps foot and all of a sudden they come and bow before him, right? Right, and Jesus is casting, saying, you know, get out, all these different kinds of things. He did not cast just the demons out of the man. He removed them from the region. You, you can't have the type of unity that we're talking about unless you deal with the defilement that the enemy has brought in. Because one of two things are going to happen in the land. There's either going to be just islands of the spirit moving and then the larger corporation of the land is under bondage of the enemy. Or it reverses itself and be just small little islands that the enemy is, is going to be around and the larger corporation portion of the region is going to be full of the glory of God. Those are the one or two things that happen. And what we've seen so far is we've seen little islands of the Holy Spirit that are, that are moving up. But I'm going to tell you what the Spirit of God is going to do. He's going to deal with defilement. He's going to deal with this from the enemy's point of view. He's not coming after people. He's coming after the enemy. And he's going to be using the people who are understanding, like the sons of Issachar, what the time is and what they're supposed to do. And the first thing you've got to do is you've got to deal with the defilement in your own family. And then after that, you begin to deal with defilement in other places. If you don't deal with the defilement here, you can't deal with the defilement in a region. Because Satan can't cast out Satan. Only Jesus casts out Satan, and only Jesus in you can deal with the defilement in you, and then the defilement in your family, and then the defilement around you. And then what he's going to do is he's going to be locking arms with people who are like-minded, and then all of a sudden there's going to be families that are in communities that are going to be dealing with defilement in their communities, and that's what brings transformation. Now listen, you don't just cast this stuff out and leave it alone. Whatever you cast out, you've got to fill with the presence and the glory of Almighty God. 
And if you as a church or group of people do not understand your assignment from God, you're going to miss it. It's not that God is not going to get his way. Somebody else is going to step up to do it. Listen, God has ordained us for this time right now to be that beacon of light that is an island of his Holy Spirit that is about to explode and change a region. You almost believe that. Almost. Almost. The reason we struggle, this is the reason we struggle with purpose, or what does God have for me to do, or all this, it's because we're not thinking with the spiritual mind, we're thinking with the carnal mind, because we're trying to fulfill this aching and longing in our heart, but not submit it to Him. When you submit it to Him, then you are released by Him, because I'm not going to go f- kick out a bunch of demons in my own power with what I think it should be. And let me tell you something, we repent from that, Jesus to thinking that we were good enough and smart enough and talented enough and gifted enough to do something without your Holy Spirit. Forgive us, God. Forgive us for that. Forgive us, God, for the many times that we walk with hearts unsubmitted to you. Puffed up and prideful thinking that, that, that we're it. You're it, God. And we submit our hearts and our minds and our thoughts and our theology, everything, to you, Jesus. All right. So now, you are working on, um, you're dealing with the defilement of yourself. You're dealing with the defilement maybe in your family. Big, little, I mean, defilement is not always the worst case scenario. It, It can be the little things. Defilement is defilement. Once it gets in, it then tries to build and become larger. But the reality is you can stop, you can recognize it. It can start small. You can recognize it so that you don't deal with the consequence of there being a larger defilement. See, it, 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 sin is like cancer. It doesn't stay in one place. It, it's, grow, it's, 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 its job, its purpose is to kill you. The purpose of cancer is to destroy your body. The purpose of sin is to destroy your spiritual life. I don't, I don't want just a little bit of cancer in my body. I want no cancer in my body. I don't want just a little bit of sin in my life. I want no sin in my life. Which means that I'm also going to watch what I bring into my house. See, I, I don't want to bow to the God of television. Listen, you got, we have got to, and I'm, I'm, I'm in this too. We have got to stop letting television disciple our children. Disney is not a good role model for your kids. It's easy because we're tired as parents. It, I, I, get, I get that. But it's discipleship in the wrong direction. I'm stepping on it, I know. I'm not saying you can't watch anything. You have to be careful what you allow into your house because the things of the world are always bringing defilement. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. Because sooner or later, your mouth is going to say it because it's in your spirit. Okay? All right. Now, uh, 
you are dealing, your defilement is, has been dealt with, your sin has been confessed, you're, you're dealing with yourself, you're dealing with the, the ramifications in your family, and, and you're, you're doing your best to walk in purity, being led by the Lord, and now you're, you're looking, you know that God has a purpose for your family, right? And, and what is that purpose? Well, we're going to identify families, like in this church in our city, that are going the same way, and then we're going to link up with them, right? Because iron sharpens iron, because we know that we need to be connected, and so we're, now we're, we're locked up with people who are believing the same things about what God has given as far as purpose into a community. Now, now we're not alone. Now we've got something to storm the beaches with. You can't lone ranger this thing. You can't lone ranger this thing. You, you have to have the Calvary. You have to have people who are like-minded to do this thing. See, do you... Do you have a do you have a, do you have a burden at all for anything? I, I'm going to ask this one more time. Do you have a burden at all for anything? If the answer is no, then ask God for it. Because once He gives you a burden for, He's going to empower you to do something about it, and then He's going to bring people alongside to help see it done. Do you have a burden for your city? Do you have a burden for your schools? What do you have a burden for? What is God placing on your heart? Oh, dreams, visions of when you were young that you thought God was going to do with you, and all of a sudden you've seen nothing. If you've stayed the course, everything that's happened from the time you've had that dream to the time you have now has been preparation for it to go forward, but it's just been in its timing. And the preparation has really not been so much about other people. It's been about you and your heart because God has to break you God has to break the pride. You have to be humble. Humility is acknowledging that I don't have anything in me worldly that can do anything that he asked me to do. So I submit my life. I submit my heart. I got to submit my own dreams and what I think church should look, everything before him and say, God, these things are yours. Resurrect what you want, Lord God. Resurrect it in me, but it's all yours. It's not in mine. It's not my flesh that's getting in the way of this. I hope I'm making sense. Now, uh, let's go to the scripture here. Jesus prays for himself. He says these things. Man, Lord help us. Jesus spoke these things. He looked up to heaven. He said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so that the son may glorify you. He's not saying, God, glorify me so that I may glorify. He said, glorify your son, right, so that I may glorify you. Well, let's ask something. What does that word glorify mean? I'm glad you asked because this is going to be a wonderful little trip. It was for me. Glorify in the Greek means, um, it's D-O-X-A-Z-O, doxio, or something like that. And it's, listen to this, there's there's different types of things that are in there, but this is the one, part of the meaning of that word. Are you ready? Say yes. yes. Here it is. What it is, is this, to cause dignity and worth of some person or thing to become manifest or acknowledged. I'm gonna read that to you one more time. To cause dignity and and worth of some person or thing to become manifested or acknowledged. So Jesus is saying, Father, Jesus say, Father, the hours come, glorify your son, cause worth and dignity to come to me so that I may be acknowledged on the earth. Are you getting this? This is what Jesus is saying. Father, glorify your son. Cause dignity, worth of me 
to become manifest and acknowledged as I cause dignity and worth to, for you to become manifest and acknowledged on the earth. Okay, follow me. So this is, this is where they're at. The Father and the Son are glorifying each other, manifesting each other's name, and giving worth and dignity to it. It's not that they didn't have any worth or dignity. It's that we've lost it. And so the mission of Jesus is to bring the, the idea of the Father, the true Father, back to the earth again because they missed it in religion. They're, they're acknowledging and manifesting themselves and religion, not the true Father. So Jesus is coming and said, I'm going to glorify the Father. And you know what? Now the Father is going to glorify me. So the Father is being glorified by Jesus. Jesus is glorified by the Father because he's going out and he's doing the work of the Father. He's going out and telling them who God really is. He's manifesting and acknowledging and causing worth and dignity to come back to the name that never lost it. But we forgot it. And then the Father is saying, this is my beloved Son, Hear him. Hear him. Hear him. Why? Because reconciliation is from the Son. All right, here we go. So then he says, uh, glorify your Son that your Son may glorify you. Since you gave him, the Son, authority over all people or flesh, so that, they, so that he, the Son, may give eternal life to everyone that you, Father, have given him. Do you see this partnership? Do you see this perfect unity that, that's happening between the Father and the Son? And then he says, this is eternal life. Author well, first, authority, authority is exousia, and this is what it says. The power or rule of government, the power of him whose will and commands must be submitted to and obeyed by others. So all authority has been given Jesus, and that authority includes the rule of government. The government will be upon his shoulder, which means it's not going to be the government of Steve. It's not going to be what Steve, Steve serves, the government of the kingdom. The government of the kingdom and the authority of the kingdom are Jesus, and he has a rule, and he has a government, and I submit myself to that government and that will wherever he places me to go. See, we got a problem, don't we? Because we're so good at resisting government. Government, get out of my life. Government, get out of this. Government, and we have, we're, we're so good at being that because we're Americans. The problem is the American dream does not fit in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not a democracy. The kingdom of God is a kingdom in which there is a king. So please do not take your idea of an American constitution and your rights and try to apply them to a kingdom because it doesn't work. You don't get to vote who the king is going to be. He is the king, period. As a matter of fact, uh, the, uh, your, your heart will tell you the condition of how submitted you really are. By what comes out of your mouth when you're talking about the kingdom and governments. I'm not saying don't obey the laws of the government of the United States of America. What I am saying is value the government of the kingdom of God above everything. Please don't hear from me, from this pulpit that you now have a right to complain more about the government of the United States of America. 
and grumble and complain. That is not what I'm saying. Understand the value of the kingdom of God because when you understand the value of the kingdom of God and the rule of government that he has, you understand that every government on the earth, no matter what nation it is or what it is, is under him because he's been given everything. And at some point, baby, he's going to reconcile everything. All right, because Jesus said, you have given me all authority over all flesh or people, and I give uh, eternal life to everyone that you have given and now. And this is eternal life. Listen to this. Oh, I love this. Eternal life, he says. Let me read the scripture. This is eternal life. That, you may, that they may know you, Father, the only true God, and the one whom you have sent, Jesus Christ. This is not linear. You know what I'm saying? This is not a linear thing. This is not like, you know, a timeline type of thing. This is not, it's not that. Eternal life is knowing the Father and knowing the Son. Oh, I get it. There's, there's a life that begins when this heart stops going. But he's talking of, not talking about the linear timeline of, of, of eternal life or something like that. He's talking about the intimacy that comes in beginning your journey of understanding eternal life by knowing the Father and knowing the Son. You're not getting it. It's not about what happens to you when you die. Eternal life starts now by knowing the Father and the Son through that intimacy. Stop waiting for your next life and start pulling that into here through intimacy with the Father and the Son. You're missing it now by waiting for later. All right. Everything, uh, I got to tell you this, so eternal life is not linear, it's a deeper, intimate thing. Everything my heart has truly longed for is in this statement. Everything that my life has ever longed for is in that statement of knowing the Father and knowing His Son. Everything about me. As I began to read these scriptures, as I began to write some things down and look at some things in the Greek, I began to understand that everything about me desires to know him. It's the only thing that gets me off the couch in the morning. It's the only thing when life has thrown everything it possibly can at my direction. When it seems like the devil has taken everything away from me. When it seems like I'm suffering so much from depression or whatever, everything that's coming your way. Whatever that is, the only thing that gets you off the couch is the fact that there is a father who desires to know you as his child. And from that... You begin to rise up off of the bed of affliction or a deathbed or everything else because there's a father from heaven and his son who are calling you to join what they are doing in this life now. Man, I'm telling you what, I'm about to get saved. And listen, I want to know him. And I want to be known by him. Paul talks about this in Philippians, doesn't he? He's like, man, everything is garbage. Just, just compared to the knowledge of knowing him. And the only way Paul can go through what he went through of the whips, the beatings, the being lost in the sea, everything that he went through, is because he wants to know him. 
He wants to know the Father. He wants to know the Son. It doesn't matter what happens on the earth. Well, it matters, but I'm not allowing what happens on the earth to detract me from knowing the greatness of who he is and allowing that greatness to come into me so that I can bring glory to the Father, so that I can do what Jesus did by bringing worth and dignity to the Father and the Son by proclaiming it everywhere I go. Everywhere I go. You say, That's, that sounds a little extreme. It's actually normal when it comes to the, what we read. We're so accustomed to being balanced. We've, we've fallen so far on the other side and called what God says is normal is too extreme. I'll see if you, you know, you say you talk about Jesus everywhere where you go. I don't know. I, you know, it just seems to be, you know, I don't want to offend people. I don't want to, it's, it, you're not scared about offending people. You just don't want to do it. It's as simple as that. We make excuses of why. Well, people, people might seem, I don't want people to think we're freaky. I don't want people, people are going to think what people are going to think. The Holy Spirit's going to do what he's going to do. We got to do what we got to do. And watch what God's going to do. Okay? There's no excuses in the Bible that get us out of our opportunity to bring glory to the Father by causing his name to have worth and dignity to come out of our mouth. It's not that he doesn't has it. We're just proclaiming it. He's desiring for his sons and daughters to proclaim it and to bring glory to him. <clears throat> All right. Now, um, he says, uh, I've glorified you on the earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Uh, now, Father, glorify me uh, in your presence with that glory that I had before the world existed. All right, so the Son glorified the Father by completing or accomplishing the work that the Father gave the Son to do. It is the same with us. You bring glory to the Father, and to the Son by completing the work that he has called you to do. What has he called you to do? Listen, it's not something you've got to fast for for 20 days. It's not something you've got you to put a fleece out. you just got to read your Bible and do it. it that's, it's that simple. It's not hard. It's not some deep, massive revelation that you've got to pray so that the clouds have to open up and golden tablets have to come down to read your purpose. You just got to crack your Bible in the morning. You just got to let the Holy Spirit begin to speak into your heart. That's it. That's it. See, he's really made it easy. He hasn't made it difficult. He reveals himself to his children. What father wouldn't? And then he says, hey, this, this is what I got you to, for you to do. And then not only that, when you say yes... You don't even have to do it in your own power. He gives you the Holy Spirit that gives you the strength and the courage to do it. What are we afraid of? But I bring him glory by doing his work. This is not the fullness of his work for me. Did you know that? This is part of it. But there is so much more that I am barely scr scratching of what that is. And it's not because he doesn't desire to reveal it to me. It's because I've been stuck. 
not wanting to do things, whether it be out of fear. Come on, I'm not preaching anything you all haven't had, right? It, it's fear. Sometimes it's just plain old simple disobedience. <gasps> Whoa, you mean we can be disobedient? Absolutely. Absolutely. Stubborn. Oh, yeah. All right. But I want to bring glory to the Father, which means I want to, let's, re, let's go through this, I want to cause dignity and worth of him to become manifest and acknowledged on this earth. I want to have eternal life, which is intimacy with the Father and the Son through the Holy Spirit. I want to bring glory to the Father by completing or accomplishing the work that he has for me to do. Listen, I'm his son. Did you know that? That means he loves me like he loves Jesus. He loves you like he loves Jesus. Jesus is your brother. He is the son of God to all those who would receive Jesus. He gave them the right to become your son or your daughter, which means he loves you like he loves Jesus. He loves you like he loves Jesus. He loves you like he loves Jesus. And I want to love him like Jesus loves him. And I want to love Jesus like the Father loves Jesus. Do you see what I'm saying? They're all bringing glory to one another by manifesting everybody's name on the earth and giving it worthy, worth and dignity. So here's what he says. Jesus says, okay, so I'm going to leave. Whoa, <laughs> stop the party. What do you mean you're going to leave? Hey, listen, if I don't leave, then you don't get the Holy Spirit. And let me tell you something, you really want the Holy Spirit because this is what the Holy Spirit's going to do. He's not going to testify of himself. He's going to testify of me. He's going to bring conviction of sin to the world, and he's going to testify of me, which means that the Holy Spirit is jumping on board with this love fest and glory fest, and he's bringing glory to Jesus, just as Jesus has brought glory to him. And then he's going to bring glory to the Father, and the Father's going to... And there's this massive circle of, of glory and love and unity and intimacy that you have been invited into. I'm not saying you're going to be a God, but you're going to be hanging around the throne with them, and you have the opportunity to do the same thing that they're doing with one another, and they desire to do with you, bring glory. You don't think God wants to bring worth and dignity of your name on the earth? He does, through him. The problem is, is when you try to do that yourself. This is why he resists the proud, but he exalts the humble. Because the humble understand that it's all about him, and I just want to be used by him. I want to have a relationship with him. I want to give glory to his name, and that glory is going to come down in me and through me. And people are going to say, whoa. This is why they flock to Asbury, because glory has shown up. This is why they're going to flock here, because his glory is showing up. I, I don't need to be known. Nobody needs to know my name. Nobody needs to know who I am. I'm not aiming to be put down in the hall of fame of anything. I want him to be known. I want sinners to come and know him. I want the glory of God to come. They don't need to know who I am. They just need to know who my daddy is. What 
was that work, bringing honor to the Father, making him known. John, um, John chapter 5 and, and verse 18 through 20. I'm going to be done here in a minute. Listen to what he says. This is why the Jews began trying all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he's even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, the son is not able to do anything on his own, but, he only, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, the son likewise does these things. For the father loves the son, and the son shows him everything he is doing. For the Father loves the Son and shows him everything that he's doing. And he will show him greater works than these so that you will all be amazed. So Jesus coming on the earth is not about doing his own will. It's about doing what his Father has showing him. And his Father is blessing him and causing his name to be high and lifted up because of his obedience. Philippians tells us that he had to learn obedience. And then from that, what's happening is this last statement. He says, now, Father... Bring me that glory that you and I had before this whole thing started and we had to show them. I'm going back to that state that I existed in before the world was created. Because John 1 tells us in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. And through Him, nothing was created that is created. Right? That means that Jesus was there. He existed in that state of glory with the Father. He comes from that, displays it on the earth, accomplishes the work. The people begin to understand, and all of a sudden, He says, now I'm going back to that state, but I'm not going to leave you as an orphan. Let me tell you one of the most important things that I heard yesterday that struck me. Orphans can bring people to heaven, but they can't bring heaven to earth. I was so, man, that shot me yesterday. I was, I was listening to some, some guy because this orphan spirit is so real in the church. This is why Jesus tells his disciples, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm bringing you the Holy Spirit. This is what the basis of what Leif has taught us, hasn't he? This idea about what it's like to be an orphan, that the devil was the first orphan. And if you're like your father, the devil, you're going to live in that orphan spirit. And sometimes when you come and you're following Jesus, sometimes you can bring that idea of being an orphan into it. You got to understand what I'm saying. I'm not saying you're not saved, but what I am saying is that you are reserved and you step back when it's time for you to step when God calls your number. God has called a lot of numbers. But because you've suffered with the orphan spirit, you were unable to call down heaven at that time because you shrunk back and you thought, that's not for me. And what you begin to do is you begin to pass that off to somebody else. The same thing as what Adam did when he passed it to the devil. It's the same thing we do when we pass it off to somebody else that we think is more anointed or more powerful or more in the spirit than we are. When God actually called your number, you decided to be a Saul instead of a David. Been there. And then you're left on the sidelines Wondering when God is going to call your number. <laughs> what you're really struggling with is, God, I don't feel like a son, and I don't feel like a daughter. And I'm going to submit that to you, because that's not the truth of what you said. You said I'm a son, because I've received you. You said I'm a daughter, because I've received you. And because I'm a son and, or a daughter, that means I'm not a servant. I have an inheritance in the house. 
What is seated in the heavenlies has now been released to me on the earth. What is seated in the heavenlies has now been released to you on the earth if you're walking in sonship. Don't be scared of it. All right, we're going to bring this pretty close to a close. Okay. I'm just, I'm tired. I'm so tired of feeling more like the little orphan boy Oliver than a true son of the kingdom. Begging him to give me scraps when he's prepared a table. Jesus, if, if you can just give me a little shack on the back 40, it's good enough for me. Son, you get to come to the table. There's no shacks in the back corner of heaven. There's just a table that's been prepared for you to dine with me. <laughs> Listen, what really angers the Jews is that Jesus called God as Father. It's not that, get out of here. It's not that, um, crush the head of the snake. Um, it's not that they would maybe never ever say God as Father, but it was never in the realm of the intimacy of what Jesus said. Most of the times they just called him God. One time they called him fathers when Jesus was saying, God is my father, and they said, well, our father is Abraham. And he said, well, if Abraham were your father, you would do the things that Abraham did, but you don't. Your father's the devil, and you do his work well. They said, well, we have a father, God. It's almost like they're just throwing stuff out there because they don't know what to do, because they're convicted of the state that they're really in. But they don't know the father. All they know is religion and law, and they think that's enough. And Jesus is saying there's something greater that is coming in his intimacy with the Father. What you ran away from on the mountain when it descended is coming back again for you to partake in. What you have run away from in your past is now coming back again for you. The train's coming. You got a ticket. You can get on board. You say, well, I missed it back here. That's okay. He's a good God. It comes around again. What you've got to do is purpose in your heart. Listen, I'm not, I'm not missing this. You say, well, 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 well God is doing stuff over, over here in, in Asbury, or, or God is doing stuff over here, or God is doing stuff in the Quad Cities, and blah, 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 and this, that, the other. I don't got to run. I could say God do it here, and he will. Because he's desiring to pour out his spirit upon all flesh. Which means the flesh doesn't have to run where the spirit is going. The flesh just has to be, uh, allow the spirit to be poured out on it wherever it is. Right here, Morrison, Illinois. In this old school. Listen, this is the last I'm going to say. I'll tell you this. Jesus prays for his disciples and basically is saying, God, they've done what I've said. They believe. Protect them. Then he prays for you and says, God, let them have the same glory that you and I have. Do you hear that? God, let them have the same. I haven't even met Jesus face to face. It's been about roughly 2,000 years between his birth and my birth. 
But he's praying here that I and you, 2,000 years later, will still experience the same oneness that him and the Father and the Holy Spirit and the disciples all share together is made available to us here now. For what purpose? To cause worth and dignity of his name to be manifested on the earth. 2,000 years later. And he does it with, through the Holy Spirit in you. Now, oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Things are going to change. And I'm going to confess to you that I have honestly been worried about it. I have lived under the fear of man. And I'm going to confess this to you because it's sin. I have lived under the fear of man because I was afraid that as we go into this, there'll be people that don't want any part of it. And I love you. And I want everybody to go. But I don't know if everybody is, will. But I can't take that responsibility on myself about your choice. Even though I love you, whoever you are, I don't know. I just know that I don't want to lose anybody. And, and I know at the heart of that is some compassion, maybe some pride too, I don't know. But I don't want to lose anybody on the path that we're going. And so I've allowed the path to go slow. And I can't do that anymore. Or... I've made you my God. And you don't want that. So man, I don't know what revival is going to look like in this place. I don't know. I just know that I think he's ordained it to happen. I think we've got too many words that have been spoken over this place for it to not happen. I think you've been hungry and waiting for the sons of the kingdom to rise up, right? I think you have. I think if we're, we're honest with ourselves, we have been waiting. We just don't know from what. Well, let me tell you something. The leadership is ready. They, we've been ready for a long time. We just didn't know or we were afraid. And I'm not going to allow the fear that paralyzes people from going forward to live in me any longer. Because I'm not going, because God's not going to let that fear and him cohabitate in the same place. And my heart and my soul belong to him. And fear has no purpose in me anymore. And you either. No more fear. He's ordained me. He's ordained you. He's ordained this place to pour his spirit out. And I'm not taking that as pride because that just means I got to go lower. I got to go lower on my knees, bringing my heart, bringing my heart before him, man. Letting him look at the deep things that I thought were his but were really mine and say, Steve, we, that's not me. I got to let go of those because those things are about bringing Steve fame, not bringing glory to his name. I don't want glory to my name. I want glory to his name.
His name, His kingdom, His kingdom. I'm His to do with however He's. I am the spare change in His pocket. He can spend me as He wishes on whatever He wants. So now is the time. There are changes coming to this place because I can't do everything. I've even got to let go of some things here to pursue the greater things of God. That doesn't mean I'm leaving. I'm not talking about Sundays. I'm not talking about that. But I have got, like when Jesus said to the disciples, I must leave so the Holy Spirit may come, that replicates itself in in churches, which means I've got to let go of control of things so that you can allow the things that God has birthed in you to shine in the church instead of sitting there like bumps on a log receiving a message. Now you've got to walk this stuff out. I'm taking my hands off some stuff. And if they die, they die. That's okay. Because something else may be reborn. I'll have to remind myself of them this from time to time. But that's okay. This is the only way we go forth into what God has for us to do. It is not for me to be your full-time worship leader as well as your full-time pastor, as well as your full-time teacher. I am not your all and all. Jesus is. And Jesus is calling you in your chairs to step up and to take hold of things so that the greater glory can be established in the body of Christ. Amen? <laughs> Ooh. Is this still recording? Because I'm going to have to listen to this again and again. But this is what it is. I never really wanted to, I don't think I ever really wanted to truly control everything. I just felt that there was nobody else to do it. And that was a lie from the enemy. Because the same Holy Spirit that teaches me and trains me is the same Holy Spirit that will teach and train you. And yes, we'll train, but I'm just saying the Holy... You've got gifts in you that are better than me to do what I'm already doing. So as I let go and you come forth, the greater glory of the Lord will be displayed in the body. Are you ready? Are you ready? Because he's ready. All right, I'm not even going to give an altar call. Just stand with me. Thanks for joining with us today. And if that message touched your heart in some way, please let us know by emailing us at info.kingdomlife at aol.com. You can also find us and reach out to us on Facebook. And we hope that you will join us again for another podcast from Kingdom Life Community Church.